This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Thanks for tuning in to this week's new episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. This is your host, Derek York, and we've got another great episode here lined up for you. Recently, we were able to go to the Double Draw Ranch over in Junction, Texas, which is in the hill country, and uh, participated in a youth hunt that's been going on for several years, and with my good friend, Gene Hennigan, who owns the ranch, and does a lot to give back to a lot of different great organizations in the conservation world and, and um, he's been doing this for a number of years and opening up his ranch to, to getting some some first-time hunters and, and and some kids that have hunted before but really deserve the opportunity to come and, and, and participate in this hunt so we had three great guests this this year um, Sarah Reed and, and Daniel, who I was able to guide for the weekend, and man, we had a great time, great food, great conversation, fellowship, and uh, even learned that uh, one of our one of our kids is uh, a budding mu- magician. So we were all surprised by that, and that made the weekend a lot of fun. So look forward to everybody listening to this episode, and and hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Okay, everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Um, we are up in Junction, Texas, here at the Double Draw Ranch. We've got Mr. Gene Hennigan here, and uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself and then go around the table with our other guests. So, 
Yeah, my name is Gene Hennigan. I'm the owner of the Double Draw Ranch in Gentry Creek Outfitters. Uh, we've had the ranch here now for 12 years and have done a lot of work to try to improve the habitat and everything and have a lot of nice deer for people to come hunt. Um, my name's Sarah Heimeyer. Um, I was fortunate enough to participate on one of the hunts that um, happened here at Double Jaw Ranch. Uh, I am Reed Williams from League City, Texas, and uh, I'm very glad that I was chosen to participate on a hunt at a Double Jaw Ranch with all these people. Hi, my name is Daniel, and I'm from Houston, Texas, and um, I was just happy to be asked if I was can I can go out here and hunt with my uncle. All right. So we were out here hunting this weekend, and um, kind of the main reason that we're here, you know, is to give youth an opportunity to get outdoors and hunt. And um, Gene, why don't you tell us just a little bit um, kind of what you've been doing for the past however long it's been um being active and in, in trying to get youth involved in the sport and and the way that you do that why these kids are here yeah well i guess it started you know we started the ranch 12 years ago and i have grandkids and stuff like that that i enjoy bringing out and hunting at the ranch and we wanted to extend that more to the public and get more kids involved and i got involved with the national wildlife turkey federation the mule deer foundation and coastal brigades and started donating those organization hunts where they could, uh, you know, help them get the youth involved and stuff like that through their organizations and everything. And we've, we've done different things. I donate hunts. They may auction them at some of their banquets. Uh, we do some other hunts where we actually have the youth do an essay and say why they like the Mule Deer Foundation or the NWTF and why they would like to come do a hunt on the Double Draw Ranch. And Kids still write essays these days? Yeah, well, it's hard to get them to, but oh, man. yeah. <laughs> but uh, they've been pretty awesome. I'll give you an example of one we got. We had a kid that, uh, you know, in tough times, his father had gotten laid off. And in his essay, the general gist of the subject was that, hey, I would like to come to the Double Draw Ranch where I could kill a deer and help put food on the table for my family. And that was just pretty awesome showing the character of the kid. Yep. Yeah, and I heard that was quite an adventure that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish my brother-in-law was here to talk about that because uh, they got in a two-man blind with three people, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty comical, but yeah. they didn't. They ended up killing them some good deer. That's awesome. So, what all kind of animals have you got here on your ranch? Uh, primarily, we're, we're raising whitetails and exotics. We have axes, fallow, and black buck. Uh, of course, we've got uh, hogs out here. Uh, unfortunately, we're trying to eradicate them. We've got a lot of turkey. That's one of the reasons why the NWTF uh, got involved with us. They come out here and do uh, committee hunts mm -hmm. and stuff with the turkeys. We've got uh, a lot of dove and uh, some ducks on the pond, quail. Uh, we're trying to work on the quail populations and yeah, get them. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Jason Russell last night of the Mule Deer Foundation, and he's kind of from up in the Midwest, and they do a lot of pheasant hunting and stuff, and uh, it's our goal to eventually introduce pheasant and chucker and more quail to the ranch where we can do some upland bird hunting. Yeah. Well, this is the... Uh third year in a row I've been up here and um, it's pretty awesome there's no shortage of animals I don't think anybody here will disagree with that 
um, getting here in the um, so one of the things about this ranch is it is a high fence this this part that we're on the part that we're hunting on right now to be able to keep and maintain exotics or high quality whitetail you pretty much have to have a high fence yeah yeah I know some people across the country are like what's a high fence you know and, yeah. and uh, um, here in Texas things are a little bit different but that's a you you spending a lot of money to grow these animals I assume so yeah we've uh Paid a lot to bring in some high genetics. We brought in uh, high genetic does as well as bucks over the years. But, uh, you know, basically about half the ranch is in high fence, but half the ranch is in low fence, which basically mm-hmm. a high fence is eight foot high and a low fence is four foot. Yeah. So the animals on the low fence can kind of come and go as they want. And you spend a lot of money on some exotics or high genetic deer, you don't want them jumping your fence. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you get people, um, as far as like clientele coming in, um, all year long or just mostly around deer season in the fall? Or? <clears throat> Our peak is obviously during whitetail season and a lot of the whitetail hunters will come in for a trophy deer and once they've shot that, they want to also shoot an exotic kind of two for one type of a hunting trip. But we do hunt year round. Exotics can be hunted year round. The Axis and the Black Bucks, uh, always there's some to shoot. The black bucks don't drop their horns because it's really true horn. It's not an antler. Mm-hmm. The axes breed <clears throat> every eight months, so there's always axes that have hard horns and are in trophy mode. The fallow uh, are surprisingly kind of grow their antlers right in sync with whitetails. So we primarily have to hunt those pretty much in the in the winter time because they'll drop their uh, antlers in February just pretty much like the whitetail do. Yeah. And you've got all three color variations of the fallow. Oh, yeah. We have white, chocolate, and spotted. The the white ones are actually considered to be the queen's deer, and the chocolate one is the king's deer. And, of course, they just ended up getting spotted. But you can have a chocolate doe actually have a white fawn. So Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about that um, out in the blind a couple days ago about, you know, if they interbreed, you know, throughout the year or if they stay with, Chocolate with chocolate, and that kind of thing. They've never <clears throat> no, seen anything uh, like that. No. So well, that's cool. There's lots of stuff to do here. So, um, and the accommodations are awesome. And I would say that um, ever since I've been hunting deer camps, always where you eat good, and the food here's every day has been great. So great place to come. And I assume you get people from all over the country coming in. I actually had a guy from England really? about uh, six weeks ago. Yeah, he came to the United States to visit someone else, and he happened to be one of my repeat customers. And called me up and said, "Hey, I got a guy from England here that would love to shoot a fallow." That's cool. And uh, so he came and got him a nice white fallow. Yeah, that's probably my favorite thing about guiding. You know, with my charter fishing service is just uh, the amount of people I've met in the last five, six years from every corner of the United States and even out of the United States. So you can hear everybody's stories and stuff, and, and that's cool. And, um, you know, it kind of leads us into why these kids are here and, and what's probably made this trip a little bit special. We've got one that get, I've got their first animal this weekend. Um, you know, you're gracious enough to allow the kids. I mean, this is we're after um, general season right now here in mid-January, but uh, we were able to harvest whitetail does, spikes, and um, blackbuck does as well. And um, even with uh, anybody hunting in Texas, especially in the hill country this year, knows how hard the hunting has been this fall. 
with the acorn crop we had, which was unbelievable. Um, I think some of these trees had three, four inches of acorns underneath them. Oh, yeah, at least. And and the the moon killed us this year yeah. because we had a full moon on opening weekend, weekend. So we had more full moons. In fact, we've hunted in the last few days under a full moon. <clears throat> 50 billion acorns on the ground. Hunting was extremely hard for the, to get these kids their deer, but we killed eight deer. Yeah, yeah. So, well, um, well, Sarah, um, tell us a little bit about kind of your hunting background. I know you're pretty active with some other programs and stuff, and and this isn't your first rodeo, but yes. um, yeah. Um. So I have been hunting, or I've been actually in a deer stand since I was nine months old, is what my dad always said. So, um. My grandpa owns some land, and I was fortunate enough to be able to grow up and hunt there and also um, harvest my first uh, deer there and just make some very good memories. I actually um, took a break from hunting for a little bit and got into Texas Youth Hunting Program, which um, just gives kids maybe that don't have land an opportunity to um, be able to harvest or you know, whatever the animals they have. Um, so that's actually what got me back into um, hunting. So that, and then I also heard about a camp called Texas Brigades. I'm very well aware of Texas Brigades. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was actually fortunate enough to go to two camps. Um, so what is well, Texas Brigade just for... So, right. Okay. So, Texas Brigades is a wildlife leadership program for students 13 to 17, maybe um, want to go into a wildlife career, or just enjoy going out into the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So, they're really based around getting people out and educating people on the um, wildlife here in Texas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a cool program. It's been around for, what, almost 30 years now. So, I think this is 28th year, maybe. So, and we're going to end up doing a whole probably series of podcasts on brigades later this spring um, as we wrap up um, enrollment for this summer. So, but that's cool that you've been involved with that. Um, what are some of the animals you've gotten to, to harvest? Um, so, I actually got to har- harvest my first exotic here, which was the black buck oh, yeah, doe, okay. which was pretty cool. Um, I've also been fortunate enough to take some white tailed. Um, and I actually got my first buck last year, so that yeah. was a pretty awesome experience. Nice. I know the first thing I noticed after she shot, um, she shot two deer on her first. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you shot one on your first sit, and then ended yeah, up getting we, one back. Here. Yeah, we were coming back into camp and uh, got on some more whitetail does. So she got a double in about an hour's time. She had a black buck doe and a whitetail doe on the ground. Yeah. So, but the first thing I noticed was. Uh, you know, you got right in there and was hanging that sucker up on the gambrel and getting ready to clean it and gut it and get your meat. And, uh, you know, I think that's cool, you know, it's your girl and you're out here in the outdoors hunting. And uh, do you fish any? A little bit. I just started yeah. getting into it. Yeah. More fresh water. Well, good. Well, we got to get you guys. I've talked to your mom, you know, last year and stuff about getting you guys out on the boat so we'll have to do that since you're right down by me so we'll read um kind of tell us your hunting background and what you end up getting here 
Um, well, I started hunting at my grandpa's farm, and uh, from there I was fortunate enough to get in the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Okay, another and, uh, that's TYHP I, member. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's when I really fell in love with hunting, and uh, from there I was able to find turkey hunting, which yeah. I thought was very enjoyable. And I was able to get involved in the NWTF, which is the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been able to meet some really cool people along the way. Yeah, and that's where I met you and your brother, Eric, and your dad. Um, gosh, what was that? Probably four four years ago, maybe five years ago, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. So, yeah, we do some stuff with our NWTF chapter. Um, we do a lot of youth events. and the, That's cool. So, what all have you gotten to, to hunt in your career so far? Um, well, I've gotten a lot of whitetail. Um I've duck hunted a decent amount, yeah. um, turkeys, of course, and here I was able to get my first exotic. I also got a black buck doe. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, you had the little uh, safari adventure last night. So that's the neat thing about about the exotic hunting is that you can hunt them 24-7, 365 days a year. And uh, it's been tough, you know, this weekend um, if you're not sitting in the right spot, you know. And uh, that happened in about five minutes last night. So. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so. Yeah, hunting hard all weekend. Uh, saw some cool stuff, but never was able to get a shot off. And then last night, they said, let's go. Yep. And uh, sure enough, go to the top of the hill in the truck for about five minutes, and we get a doe. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, blackbuck are good eating. I know they kind of sometimes have a bad rap, I guess, for taste. but um, Yeah, a lot of the exotics get a bad rap because of it their habitat really yeah. uh, you you have a low fence exotics which you pretty much have all over texas because during the years all these high fences tornadoes come through floods come through they knock the fences down the exotics get out so we have a lot of free-ranging exotics in mm -hmm. texas now and people you know shoot a black buck and they'll take it back and after they've harvested it and they fry some up or roast some and they go oh man i don't really like the taste of this well those Free-ranging ones don't necessarily have the menu that we have yeah. here in the ranch. We've got protein we're feeding. We have peanuts, cotton seed, all kinds of minerals out there for them. Of course, the natural stuff like the mesquite uh, beans and the prickly pears, and we have a lot of persimmon. You know, so there's a lot more menu, so to speak, for the deer inside the high fence. And that kind of means everybody's getting to eat the same thing. So most of all the venison you take off the high fences are pretty much very similar. They have their own distinct tastes, but uh, I've never had any problem with somebody saying, hey, it doesn't taste good and us frying some up and yeah. not being any leftovers. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I got to go uh, pronghorn hunting, we went up with some buddies up in Wyoming. And I uh, had one of my friends was like, well, you might as well soak that thing in kerosene and then light it on fire <laughs> before you eat it. And because uh, all the sage and stuff that they eat. And um, where we were hunting, man, it was all grass. And I shot a, um, a buck and, and two does while we were up there in, in two days. It was great hunting. And um, good gosh, man, that meat was awesome. I mean, they're such cool animals, you yeah. know, but... But, um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's a thing, you know, if you're going to harvest something, that's the whole goal is the experience, but also being able to harvest the meat and, and utilize every part of that animal. Um, so nothing goes to waste and, uh, 
I know, Sarah, you and your dad's been here, and, uh, man, your dad was showing us all some tricks because he seems like a, he's got a side job as a professional butcher. He was making all kinds of yummy-looking stuff over there, so maybe we'll get to taste that next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, um, we've got our other hunting guest here, which uh, I've been sitting with you this weekend, Daniel, for most of the time, and then last night, come find out, you need to be working in Las Vegas as a uh, magician. So, so tell us a little bit about um, your hunting experience, and then uh, we'll get into the magic side of stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, this was my first time really hunting for deer, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a really enjoyable time, really. Um, I didn't feel like tired. Well, not all the time, but... <laughs> yeah, school time, really. Yeah. School time hours. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, I don't know. My first kill was an exotic, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh day after, got another uh, got another deer. It was a whitetail. Whitetail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, two well, deer. I tell you. Hey, I, I want to interrupt because uh, Daniel showed up with his uncle, and I don't believe it ever shot a gun. And we went down to the range. His uncle shot one shot just to kind of make sure they were on paper. And then we kind of talked Daniel through how to shoot a gun. And, you know, his uncle told him, hey, you know, don't jerk the trigger. Just squeeze the trigger and everything. And he goes, oh, okay. So his first shot was two inches high and one inch to the right. His next two shots were about an inch and a half high and a half inch to the left and went in the same hole. Yeah. And this is a first-time shooter. He's just a natural. It was a, uh, it was. I was like, I was sitting there looking at the target, like I can't see the third hole, but it looks like the second one was bigger, you know. And then it took them a while, you know, even through the spot and scope. And then we drove down and looked at it, and we we're like, you shot through the same dang hole, dude. <laughs> yeah. So three shots, and I I felt comfortable. He was ready to go. Yeah. And the uh, first animal came out. I've got it on video. You know, the whole experience, which was crazy because we had all these black buck come out yeah. including a big big buck and uh you know they wouldn't stop the buck was chasing all the does around wasn't he yeah and uh, finally got the big mature doe to stop long enough for you to get a shot and and we're all ready and i'm trying to record it for everybody and and uh, he never got jumpy jittery you know first time i remember when i first deer i shot man I, my heart was about to come out of my chest and uh he pulled the trigger and then he got excited. So, <laughs> I mean, but it was crazy because he dropped the doe in her tracks and uh, the video footage we got was unreal because we thought the buck was going to come and jump up in the blind with us. So, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. But it was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gene, your brother-in-law, Reggie, helped... helped uh, cape it out because we're going to get the hide tan and stuff on it and uh, showed Daniel how to clean and then uh, your second one 
you know, I helped you a little bit, but you did most of it for the most part. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive, so. And, uh, what are you going to do with all that meat you got now? Oh, shoot. I don't even know. I'll just give it to my mom. You know, <laughs> I bet she'll make something good. We've already ate a little bit. I know. Of it while we're here, so. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, since you guys are all in high school age, um, and one thing I wanted to talk about, which we've talked about on a previous podcast, um, was uh, what is, in you guys' opinion, the reason more kids aren't into hunting? Do you think it's they just don't know about it? you think it's access, being able to get somebody to take them, money, um, just they have no idea, they think hunting's bad? You know, you're killing an animal, taking its life, or something like that. You don't think it's media, because that's one of the biggest things the hunting industry right now is recruitment and getting people into the sport to sustain it, because it's going down. Seems like basically every year, you know, and um, it's a huge problem. And programs like TYHP, Texas Brigades, um, TWA, all these other groups, you know, or, or NWTF, Mule Deer Foundation, everybody's working to get hunters back in, but it still seems. Even with all the stuff that I've done with brigades and stuff, it's so hard to get kids these days motivated um, to do stuff. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, you've been to these programs. I mean, you talk to kids at school and your friends and stuff, and y'all ever talk about stuff like that or have any ideas, you know, what we could do better? Well, I think kids just have everything at their fingertips nowadays. Like, uh, <laughs> they want to shoot a deer, they can just go play a video game or... They're just yeah. getting lazy. They don't have the motivation to get out there, wake up at dark 30 and freeze their butts off. Mm-hmm. And uh, just unmotivated. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, kids nowadays, like, you know, there's all these cities being built and stuff. They And they have their parents too and also time. Like, I guess some most people don't have the time to really look out there and see, you know, what can I do right here? And plus, mm-hmm. you also have to get, you know, your guns and stuff. So I'm pretty sure all of those things mix in together. You don't, you know, want to deal with all of that at the same time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, and that's also the thought of, like, killing something, you know? Um, I mean, I never really thought of that at all. I mean, it's just circle of life, really. Um you know, I I have some friends there, uh, back yeah. in Houston. I would insert some background music, the Circle of Life from the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, back in Houston, I always like tell them about my fishing stuff, and because yeah, you fish a lot. Yeah. So try to right. Religiously, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I tell them about fishing and stuff, and some of them get like a little jittery. And I'm like, oh, uh, what the fish do? And you put them on the boat and stuff. I'm like, oh, flop around. We usually like unhook them, put them in the ice chest. I'm like. No, eat them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you know, I'll I'll ask them, you know, what's like eating McDonald's stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to go through all that butchering and stuff. Where's your food come from? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. So, huh? So, um, what do you think your friends are gonna say when you get back? Now that you've shot two animals and uh, probably tell them you won't be seeing me. That much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you want to you want to continue kind of down this. I mean, I mean, I know you're big in fishing and you've got a little taste of hunting now. I mean, you think you, you want to go again? And... 
Uh, yeah. Get a little more into it. Maybe we'll buy you some some rubber boots for your next trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing my tennis shoes all over this rocky place. <laughs> <laughs> so, huh? Well, what do you think, Sarah? Um, I think it's like they said, just being able to control everything in their hands. But also, I think, um, kind of the sources that they're getting is from people that have never harvested or have had a bad experience with it because maybe something went wrong or whatever it is and I think it's just getting them out here and actually like experiencing mm-hmm. like he said um, and you know it's also money and that's why Texas youth hunting and stuff like that is so important because it's actually getting kids out and it's not as pricey as some of the other opportunities yeah. and stuff. So you guys, you and Reed have both done THP hunts, the Texas Youth Hunting Program stuff. I mean, you know how much these hunts normally range on the average? I mean, um, I mean they're affordable. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to apply to get in, right? Yes, sir. And then, I mean, they're what, around $100 or so? Or? Yes, sir. It's 150 for the youth and the parents. 150 bucks yes, for the youth and parents. Yes, and that covers lodging food, a guide, I mean, that's everything, mm-hmm. you know. So how many of those have you done? I've, this, five. Five? Yes, sir. And you're helping guide now in a couple of them? Yes, sir. So far, so have you done, one guy, been a guide once, or? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, and who did you take out? Um, I took out um, a young lady, uh, Ileana, she got to actually harvest her first ever deer, so that was an awesome. awesome experience. And how old are you? I'm 15. And how old was she? She was 12. Wow. Cow. That's awesome. <laughs> so, what, um, you know, kind of what, Reed, I guess, you know, on the THP stuff, how many of those did you say you've done? Uh, I believe it on three so far. Three? And you're going to try to do some more, I think, what your dad was yes, talking sir. about wanting to get you on. So, and when do you age out on those? 17. 17? Yes, so, is there a minimum age, like nine, nine, ten, nine years old? Yes, sir. So if you're nine years old, up until 17, basically when you graduate high school, you can go on these hunts for 150 bucks. You have to have a guardian with you, so a parent or somebody go with you. And you get to go hunt at some pretty awesome places from some of the pictures I've seen, you know, from some people I know that work for TYHP. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, a, that's truly amazing. Um, what a cool opportunity. And most of them are landowners, you know, that are donating all this, you know, to be able to come and do it. So I know our group at NWTF, we did the turkey hunt down in Brackettville for a number of years, and uh, that was awesome seeing all the kids come down there. And, and uh, we had like a 10,000-acre ranch we were on and uh, tons of animals everywhere and just getting out and seeing. I remember the first time I went, I was a guide down there. And, uh, man, we seen every kind of exotic you can think of and, and come really close on getting a turkey. Um, didn't quite work out for us, but we got to see some, and the kid was actually able to call one in. Um, so, so that was cool. So, so there are lots of opportunities out there, and you know, Gene, with what you're doing with the, with donating these hunts to these groups and stuff, man, we can't thank you enough for that. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool to be able to do that. Well, we get a lot out of it too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you that for sure. But you know, like you said, besides these hunts, you know, there's a lot of wildlife management areas that 
you have to apply for the hunts, but they make them very reasonable, and those are awesome places. And they need you to come hunt the animals because, you know, it's a conservation thing. You can't just continue to let animals breed and grow because they'll overtake the habitat, and then they'll, you know, it'll impact their health and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we need people to hunt the animals, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, all these kids nowadays, you think everything comes from H-E-B. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's not that's not where it's really at you know you get out here and do hunting and stuff and like i said seeing the whole process of harvesting the animal and processing the animal and then getting to eat it yeah and you look at the price of beef now <clears throat> these days i was shocked i hardly ever buy you know hamburger meat just ground beef i had to pick some up a couple of days ago we were running late at home in houston and, and i told my wife i'd just pick up a couple pounds so we didn't have to thaw anything out and uh my gosh two pounds of meat was over ten dollars yeah you know, and I'll shoot a deer, 100-pound deer, and you're getting a ton of meat off that animal. And um, you shoot, I mean, we usually, you know, I usually try to harvest two to three whitetail a year, you know, and then some wild pigs and stuff, and that'll last us all year. You know, I'll never have to buy meat whatsoever. So um, it's a good way to fill the freezer and provide for your family and stuff. And, um, it, you know, hunting is one thing I got into really late. Because uh, nobody in my family really hunted that I was around. Um, started out fishing. I mean, I can remember two years old being on a boat. You know, I don't remember what I was doing, but I remember riding on a boat, you know, when I was that little. And uh, that's always been with me, being on the water. But uh, I don't think I didn't get into hunting until I moved down here to Texas. Yeah. And uh, I think 2004 was the first time I ever went hunting down here. And, um, and I've been hooked. And then when I went turkey hunting for the first time, you know that that was that that's the most addictive thing I've ever done is hunting turkeys. And I'm yeah. ready for marks to get here. So yeah. well, that's good because I saw eight gobblers yesterday when yeah. we were out riding around. So. Yeah, so turkey hunting's a lot of fun if you've never been able to do that. Man, you're uh, you can get right up in their faces or, or bring them right up to you. So, but well, that's cool. Um, so. Well, I think that's a pretty good, you know, we've had a good weekend, and, uh, um, but I think the, today's your birthday, Sarah, is that right? Yes, sir. So how old are you? You turned 15 today? Yes, sir. All right. Well, happy birthday. Whoever's listening to this is probably going to tell you happy birthday, too, even though you can't <laughs> hear them, but, uh, um, so that's cool having that. We had a little cake last night after dinner, um, and then, uh, after that, man, Mr. Daniel over here whipped out some magic cards and oh my gosh. So I want to know how the heck you got into that because, Uh you know, I'm serious. I thought we were going to lose every bit of money we had if we were betting on betting against you because he's incredibly impressive for a young guy. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this. I mean, he is incredibly impressive. Really? It has a lot of tricks. It's not just a one, sh- yeah, you know, mean, one trick show, you know. I think so. uh, we went for over two hours last night, and you were just going one after the other. <laughs> you said that was your longest time doing that continuously? Um, just, you know, perform, kind of performing? Yeah, it was my max. For me, it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> but that's like, you know, one after another. But uh, I don't know. I could be like here for like an hour, you know, having – tiny breaks and stuff like that but um yeah i know yeah and then i've been doing magic for like a little over a year and people are looking at me like over a year bull crap you know yeah you're good <laughs> you are a natural 
Yeah, I mean, and I got a I got a picture of him last night because I'm gonna be like, oh man, I remember when Daniel Lynn was up to the double draw <laughs> when he just first getting started. <laughs> Thinks he's on America's Got Talent. Uh, so, one day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that something you want to pursue? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's something cool to put in my back pocket, really. Yeah. Like, you know, if I get bored or um, I'm just sitting around and I want to do something. You know, yeah. strip out cars or take out someone else's cars. Yeah, because I think you said you were wanting to go into possibly chemical engineering. Oh, that yeah. That kind of area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do magic on the side, which I, I've already got you booked for a date this year, so. <laughs> um, uh, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me yeah, too. Yeah, you're going to like, oh, you're, you're come do some shows. I said, yeah, I said, hey, can you do birthday parties for yeah. my grandkids? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Well, Reed, what are what are you wanting to do after you get out of high school? You got any idea yet? I mean, um, well, I want to get into industrial distribution engineering, which is a uh, it's kind of like a fifty fifty mix between uh, engineering and business. Yeah. And from there, I'd like to get into sales or project management. Yeah. Cool. You sound like you're gonna make some money, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome, plan. man. Hey, it's good to have a plan, and. Uh, you know, a lot of kids don't know what they want to do, and that's fine. You know, they'll figure it out, but uh, it's good to have an idea. So what's your uh, goal, Sarah? Um, I'd actually like to go into ranch management, um, Okay. get a degree in ranch management, and I actually want to have a career as a game warden. So. Nice. Yeah, I know a few game wardens. <laughs> so that's an awesome awesome way man you never know this guy over here might need a ranch manager someday (laughs) i can't keep doing this forever yeah (laughs) somebody's gonna have to do it yeah man that's cool um you know that's kind of the whole not the whole purpose behind brigades texas brigades but you know that's one of the big things is giving kids an opportunity to to pique their interest in the outdoors and conservation because you know working in the wildlife fisheries field you're not going to be there forever, and uh, you got to have people to replace replace you, and uh, it's harder and harder to find people to that are qualified to apply for jobs in the fisheries and wildlife and ranch management and stuff like that, so that's cool. Yeah, you know, the shows like Lone Star Law that are out now really helps the kids see that it's not all about just writing tickets, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, they're a bunch of good people, and... You know, the, you know, you really see on the shows how they're really working with you, just trying to help people understand the rules and regulations. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The game wardens, unfortunately, have a stigma. You know, I mean, everybody freaks out when they see them, but, man, they're, uh, they can definitely be your friend. And, um, you know. Just... Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you a great story. My grandson likes to hunt, and he uh, was going to go down with a bunch of friends down further south. And so not knowing the area – he called the game warden and the game warden, you know, talked to him a little bit and he said, you know, explained to him, Hey, we're going to have eight guys coming down here to hunt ducks. You know, just wanted to make sure we'd go somewhere where we would be legal. And the game warden said, Hey, let me know when you get here. I'll meet you and show you. Yeah. You know, I mean that they went down and had an awesome time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Fortunately in Texas, we've got a lot of game wardens. There's never enough. But um, there's usually multiple game wardens in the counties in the you know the busier part of Texas and the um, I know you further up you go north in the country a lot of the game wardens are the wildlife biologists as well I mean kind of have dual job roles and uh, 
Um, so they're super busy, but, you know, they're always, I mean, being a game warden, that's a 24-7 job. I mean, there's no there's no off time, so you're always basically on call. And uh, um, it's always good to, to know the game warden in your county. And uh, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to do some ride-alongs and stuff um, with y'all's local game wardens down there where you're at. So, um, well, that's cool, man. Well, I don't want to keep I know everybody, we're getting ready to get out of here and head back to Houston. But um, I want to thank you guys for being on. And... Um, pretty impressive group kids i mean there's three y'all here but y'all kind of have different backgrounds and come about this different you know different ways and uh i think hunting man just kind of brings everybody together same as fishing you know everybody just gets together have a good time good friendship and fellowship and and uh now we gotta go home and go walk five miles to walk all the food we've been eating off the past three days four days we've been up here so cool deal well thank y'all and uh Y'all got any last words or anything? Or no? No. Hope to come back. Maybe we'll see y'all back up here sometime. Yeah. So now that y'all seen all these trophies, man, maybe their parents will get up here and <laughs> let them shoot one of these big <laughs> big dogs up here. So that's what I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Gene. Well, thanks, man. Hey, you're welcome, and I really enjoyed having all the kids up and you guys too. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of the Impact Outdoors podcast. Really hope you enjoyed this this conversation and, and uh, continue to follow along with us as we re- release new, new conversations with uh, people from all over the hunting and fishing industry. And, and uh, looking forward to, to next week's episode. Um, follow along with us on Instagram and on our website at impactoutdoorspodcast.com. Where you can also leave us a leave us a comment and, uh, and a suggestion for a future episode. So we'd love to hear who you'd like to hear on the show, and we'll do our best to, to get them on and, and uh, make that happen for you. Um, we'd also like to ask, since we're starting out, you know, um, to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and uh, that'll help us get found easier by new new listeners every week. And, and I really want to grow this audience. And, see how big we can get this thing and and, uh, reach as many people as we can so once again thanks and we'll catch you on the next episode Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.